Hey everyone, my name is Sambal Siddiqui. And I'm Alana Mallon, and we are two new Cambridge City Councilors, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. So we're here, it's been a little while. It has been, we have had a crazy oh, couple of weeks. Like like 9 to 10 p.m. nights at yeah, City Hall. Mul- yeah, multiple. I'm so tired of that room. Oh my God, I hate it. I mean, I love it and I hate it. We've just been in there for a long time. My, like, we've just been sitting down. So budget hearings, it's like we're, actually, we're done, I guess. Yeah. We're done with the hearings, which, thank God, because I th- thought I was going to die. Um, last. <laughs> last Wednesday, we had a budget hearing from 9 until, like, 4 o'clock, and then we had an ordinance committee meeting from, like, 6 to 9 p.m. It was 5.30. Oh, 5.30 to 9 To 9 p.m. And we didn't have any food. Yeah, there was no food. There was no food. Yeah, and we it was on... It was about leaf blowers. Yeah, and a potential complete ban on leaf blowers. That was a fascinating conversation. I was actually riveted. I, like, you know, listening to all the public comment and... Yeah. It, it was in all the characters who came. Yeah, there was. it was very character driven. There was a lot... I mean, it, there was a hot topic. There was a lot of science. There was a lot of people talking about noise. There was a lot of people talking about particulates. Um, about workers in a very like and algae yeah. blooms and uh-huh. like there was a lot there was a lot going on there it was at least interesting there was that one woman who just yelled which one she was just like you know about she talked about smoking banning smoking oh, in right. restaurants mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she was very passionate yes but scary it's like oh my god please don't faint no i mean people get very passionate about yeah. certain things and for some people leaf blowers are a thing and I will say, you know, there are people that like can't stand the, the sound of their own chewing. Yeah. And so like, the, I think people are on a spectrum of like noises that bother them. Right. So I, for some, I, leaf blowers don't bother me, but like that backup noise from trucks sends me over the edge, like backup, you know, like that beep, yep, yep. beep, beep, and also car alarms. But like leaf blowers don't bother me. It must be the pitch or something. Yeah. I hate, I'm very sensitive to noise, so I I feel for everyone who faces noise pollution issues. Yeah. But I think in this respect, I I felt like yeah we both talked about this, but a complete ban mm-hmm. was what I think because we already ha- yeah we already have, we already <laughs> unreasonably impractical. Yeah. We must have a cannabis meeting. Tonight. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. We so what was I gonna say? Oh, complete ban. Yeah. So we already have an ordinance on the books that says you can only blow your leaves between eight in the morning and five at night, Monday through Friday, and then part of the day on Saturday, Mm -hmm. never on Sundays, never on the Monday holidays. So we do have a partial ban and it's it's only in effect five and a half months out of the year. The rest of the time you can't use a leaf blower. Right. And then there was a lot of talk about electric leaf blowers and how the batteries only last, you know, like 20 to 30 minutes, but electric... Like a lot of that technology is coming. Yeah. And I, I think I said this in my comments. I said, I do think there's going to be a day where we don't have gas powered leaf blowers. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just the electrical technology. It, it's on its way, as you said. And who's who's creating some technology? Elon? Oh, Tesla. Tesla. The, the, the yeah. Elon Musk. Yeah. So we'll let's just wait for that. Well, we're going to wait for him, right? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was last week. There's a few other things that happened. But um, before we get to all that nitty gritty, I wanted to share um a show about a show that i saw a theater show um as many of you know well hopefully five five people listen uh, <laughs> hi mom hey mom <laughs> um i'm a i'm a big theater person i'm a theater kid at heart i did a lot of theater at the high school 
You do a lot of theater on Monday nights. I, I do, I do. <laughs> and scene. Um, so I try to see as many shows as possible. So there's a show playing at the Central Square Theater. Uh, it's called Black Odyssey Boston. And so it's a mashup of Homer's Odyssey with African-American history. I loved it. It was very long, uh, but I didn't... The, t- the time flew by. Um, it is a really inclusive production. So uh, the, the, they, they really do a great job of... Um, weaving African, African-American history with the present day. Uh, and so I think everyone should see it. Uh, and if you are living in the port, you actually get a ticket discount. You can use Area 4 online over the phone or at the boss, at the box uh, office. And uh, you can also get a general 20% uh, off with the code community. Mm. And um, veterans and their families receive a 50% discount through the Blue Star program. So... Definitely go check the play out. It's uh, uh, you know, playing until Sunday, May nineteenth. So um, that's not this Sunday. It's the following Sunday. It's the following Sunday, okay. and it's right in Central Square. Uh, Everybody's it, favorite. Everyone's Central Square. It's it's so good. It's so good. I've heard good things about it. Um, and now that you tell me that I should go, I I definitely should check it out. Um, bring I just, your daughter. Bring your kids. Oh, would they like it? Oh yeah, it's, it's not so like funny. There's head. a little kid in it too. Oh, cool. yeah, a little girl in it. So she's fantastic. All right. Um, well, I'll check it out. Thank you for the the uh, recommendation. Yeah. Um, I actually have been watching a great show that I think you would like. And what is possibly it? Possibly our listeners. It's called Dead to Me. Oh, is that with um, Christina Applegate? Yes. I saw the a preview. Yeah. So her husband dies. He's hit by a car, hit and run. And it's like her like three months after and she's just like this grieving widow. She has two kids. She's a real estate agent in Laguna Niguel out in California. It's a beautiful community. Um, and what happens, I won't spoil it, but um, she gets kind of wrapped up with the person who hit her husband. Oh. And it's dark. Ooh, I did you, you binged it? Yeah. I mean, it's like 10 episodes, and they're 30 minutes each. Oh, that's easy. And they're very watchable. Like, Christina Applegate is so good. She's so funny. She, and, like, she like she's she's funny. It's, like, a dark comedy. Um, but I just think she did a great job, like, being a grieving widow, but also, like, because she's really angry. Like, she's just really angry about being left to mother for her two kids without her husband who she loved and then she finds out all these things about him after he died that are like that make her really really angry and so I don't know I thought I really thought she did a great job and the woman who um is like her cohort or her her friend um was the woman in oh god I can't remember never mind she's famous also she's famous I just can't remember her name okay I will probably binge it soon if I have time I did start watching a little bit of Killing Eve season two. Oh yeah have you started uh-huh Ooh. well I got distracted by dead to me oh got it okay yeah <laughs> it's not as good as the first season but that's always happens uh so what else happened Monday night we had a meeting you had your, a policy order about play streets oh play streets yes yeah. that feels like 500 years mm-hmm. ago but yeah we had um you were a co-sponsor and also Vice Mayor Devereaux because um, we seem to be like the block party people, the community yeah. <laughs> people want to bring folks together. But Play Streets is something that they have started to do in Seattle. And it's like a block party, but it's just for kids. So, and it can be, um, it can be reoccurring. Oh, yes. My word retrieval today is Oof, We're tired. Super Sorry, terrible. people. 
re- <laughs> recurring. <laughs> so you can say at the beginning of the summer, like every Sunday afternoon on my street, um, we want to close the street down from like one to four and the kids can just be out there. And so it's, you know, it's not streets that have a bus route on them or they're, and they're not arterial streets, um, but it's just a way to create community within um, neighborhoods. I was saying like, because we don't have neighborhood schools, oftentimes kids don't even know the kids on their street. Right. So, and it's a great opportunity for urban, for urban kids to kind of take back the streets and do chalk drawings and, you know, rollerblade, you know, scootering. So I actually, it's funny. So the Tobin Montessori, their fifth grade class is working on persuasive writing. Um, And so their teacher asked me to come in and talk about how I use persuasion in my job. So I actually got to go on Friday and I workshopped my like argument with That's them, awesome. which yeah. was really cute. Like they, I asked them for all the things they might do on a play street. Um, and I was like, I'm going to have to argue with my, my, my colleagues going to ask me some tough questions about whether or not this is good for the city. And so help me figure out like, what are some questions that they might ask me so that I can think about them this weekend. And it was funny. Some of the questions that I got asked were ones that the fifth graders came exactly. up with. And actually the fifth graders are much harder on me. <laughs> <laughs> my colleagues but so i i cut the clip and i'm sending it back to the tobin fifth graders so they can see how what they helped me with actually was something that i did in my job i think um their teacher was saying that you know they worked on a persuasive writing unit last year and the year before and so they were complaining like why do we have to keep working on this and she was like it's a lifelong scale and so mm-hmm. then she's bringing in people from the community to talk about how they use persuasion that's great. Yeah, it was really fun. So we passed it. Yeah, they're going to be very happy. Yeah, they'll be. So really now happy. it goes off to the DPW and traffic and parking and licensing to try to figure out if it's something that we can do. I think having that, a successful model in Seattle and some of the rules that they already put into place, and they actually had written up a bunch of things like here's a door hanger for when you want to talk to your neighbors about possible dates and um, a letter to go out to the community. So a lot of the work is already done. Yeah, it's a good model out there. Yeah, I mean. I've said this like a million times. Every time I look for something, every time I see something that Seattle is doing, whether it's around racial equity, whether it's around right. play streets, Seattle is doing it. I love Seattle. Have you you've been? I haven't been for a long time. Yeah. It's beautiful though. It, it's so nice. I don't like rain. Oh, I like rain because when you're crying, like your tears <laughs> melt in. Well, like the, the past month and a half here, like I've been like a, in a <laughs> suicidal murderous rage because I can't deal with the weather. I know the weather has it's nice today out it's though. been nice the last three days and I finally feel like not killing people <laughs> what's that feeling no I'm <laughs> just kidding people just kidding um we uh so yeah that was Monday night there's a few other things that were reported back on but I honestly I'm my head is too fried to yeah because all day them. Tuesday we had the budget hearings again mm-hmm. um which some interesting things came up um both this past week and the week before I think everyone kind of had their things that they were interested in talking about but they're long meetings I mean one of the things from last week um that I was I was really interested in and some of my colleagues including you were really interested in talking about was um the funding that the city provides to the multicultural arts center yeah um so the city of Cambridge provides two hundred thousand dollars a year um to the multicultural arts center to support its mission of bringing arts and culture into that building and bringing the community and and providing arts organ you know arts events and um, theater and uh, gallery work and <clears throat> you know in doing this work with the arts task force one of the things I realized is that the the city of Cambridge doesn't spend that much money on arts yeah so two hundred thousand dollars was 
about 20% of what we actually spend. And I really didn't feel like the Multicultural Art Center was bringing in the Cambridge community enough to warrant that kind of expenditure. Um, and so we asked the Multicultural Art Center to come in and talk to us about their programming and some of the things that they do. And um, it was a tough conversation. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion on how much of that space was actually used for the arts versus weddings, weddings. and events. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I kind of want to get married there. It's beautiful. Like for sure. But if that's outweighing actual art uh, programming, then I think that's that's a problem. Yeah, and you know, the first time I had ever been in that building was to see a play by Bridge Rep. Yeah. Um, who has been in residence for the past couple of years. And they're actually, unfortunately, not going to be there next year due to some disagreements and... Yeah, they've they've asked for a few things and unfortunately the negotiations haven't gone well. And so, so they're not coming yeah, back. They're not coming back. So I'm, I, I was surprised that it was actually something that was there. I had never been there before and it's beautiful. Um, and it's a great intimate place to see theater. Um, if you're not somebody who's going to cross the river and go and see and spend a million dollars to get tickets, if you really want a theater experience. I mean, I saw, you know, we talked about this. I saw Who is Eartha Man. I was able to go with my daughter because it was like $25 for a right. ticket. Like, I'm, I can't spend $175 a ticket to take my 11-year-old to go see theater. So it was a really good low barrier of entry for really great theater right here in our neighborhood. And so, um, you know, a lot of the counselors had some tough questions to ask about the funding and the amount of arts time and and really if it was a good use of city resources when resources are really scarce for mm -hmm. this particular expenditure, arts and culture. So um, I asked for a line item budget of how that $200,000 is going to get spent over the next year. And um, I really want some information about how they're going to be bringing in the Cambridge community before I will vote yes on their budget. So so we're, we're waiting for that information. So I, you know, I was talking to our city, city clerk, somebody yesterday, and it should be on the agenda, um, not right. this Thursday, but the next Thursday night. So anything, I also asked for tourism's um, yeah. line item budget. So anything that was asked for um, during the budget hearings has to come back. I think um, Councillor Simmons had asked for a breakout of um, equity and inclusion work that each department was working on and how much it was costing per department um, before we vote before we vote yeah. on the whole budget because mm -hmm. um, she really she had called it out last year and it didn't get it didn't get translated into this budget and I think you know it's a really important thing to call out like which departments are working on this really critical issue so the Department of Human Services who I know is doing a ton of work uh, in this area you know they're spending seventy thousand dollars a year and their goal and their mandate is we want to eliminate Racism. racism from the department yeah and you know when she's when um ellen semenoff said that i was like that should be the goal of every department right it should be in our budget book for every department yeah so there's there's a lot of this uh work happening in silos and yeah it's not clear from it, it's all over the place and so it is helpful to to get a better understanding of who's doing what and how much it's costing yeah because the department of human services seems like they're ahead way ahead way ahead and they're not spending a ton of money. Yeah. But they're doing great things in their department, you yeah. know. And so are the schools. So that's also right. a separate thing, you know, that came up last night. <clears throat> but there is a lot of 
money uh, going into thinking about best practices and hiring and recruitment and retention. And we have to, I think, as, as counselors, we want to better understand it too. Yeah, I, we had the school budget last night, which, by the way, was four hours long. Mm-hmm. It was so long, and I was not expecting that. I, I should have eaten yeah, more. I know. I'm glad I did eat because I almost blew it off. Like, oh, this will be over. In I two thought hours. it was going to go. F- yeah, it was. Yeah, we were there longer than expected, but and it was a fairly contentious. It was heated. Yeah, it was heated. But one of the things we talked about was. Um, hiring teachers of color and retention of teachers of color. And I think um, Ramon De Jesus has, I think I said his name wrong. De Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're the worst. We're so tired. Ramon. Ramon, I'm Ramon. so sorry. Anyways, you're doing a great job. Um, but right on there to the, the school department has a diversity dashboard Yeah. Um, around their employees. And you can see um, just how the breakdown is. And they have a set goal. You know, it says that they want to have 30% um, teachers of color by fall this year and um, you know I, I follow Ramon on Twitter and even last night he was at Bridgewater State University doing recruitment and really calling out that finding teachers of color is his number one priority he's great yeah I talked a little bit about that last night especially you know around the fact that we've had teachers of color resign mm-hmm. uh, seven um, last year and so not only is it great to recruit, but how are we retaining and providing the support and mentorship that uh, teachers of color need um, and the education to non-teachers of color because it is an issue. It's There's a lot of research that shows that some of the issues that teachers of color in mostly homogenous environments face. And so I think, you know, we heard a little bit about that work. Like affinity groups. Affinity and- groups and, and, and some mentorship that is happening because it, it, all the research does show if you have um, teachers of color, professionals of color, color you know, paraprofessionals, para for mm-hmm. example, uh, at an early, early age, you're much more likely to graduate college. There's literally reports and studies out there that show this. Yeah. And it's having teachers of color is not only good for students of color, but for all students. Right. Right. And right. so... Um, we, anyway. I mean, we've heard from students that said, we, I never had a teacher of color and yeah. I'm about to graduate from high school. Right. In Cambridge, Massachusetts. Right. Right. So. Yeah. I looked back and I was counting and I was like, huh, wow. Um, I, I have, I remember, I have one, you know, that I can think of. Um, and meanwhile, our paraprofessionals, 47% of our paraprofessionals are, are of color. Yeah. And so one of the things that I had actually been excited about from last year's budget was they were partnering with Boston University to do this fellow teacher or paraprofessional to fellow to teacher program where they were going to really wrap their arms around some of these paraprofessionals, provide them the training, provide them um, the instructional time to make that transition from paraprofessional to teachers because there we have a pipeline, right? Exactly. Um, but it seems like the the partnership with BU yeah it was very it was very like it fell apart Uh, it didn't pan out you're like all right but they're still they're paying for their mtels and they're paying for some prep classes which I also think is great right so um I would like to I would like to see a program that is actually with an accredited university Mm -hmm. um because the now they need a bachelor's degree yeah um and for a lot of our professionals they don't they don't have them yet so um 
if we're looking to build a bench if we're looking to build a pipeline i think that's a perfect place it's to go it's a really good place the other thing that we talked about was eighth grade math yeah and the <clears throat> the disparate outcomes on mcas um and the stubborn persistent achievement gap between um students of color and and white students and you know bravo to um to everyone who's calling it out and 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 really naming it because that's the first step yeah and we're making you know we're both members of the family policy council and a huge focus of the work this uh year has been about math and how math is a civil rights issue Mm -hmm. and um there are there's a lot of exciting programming happening and it's going to continue to happen yeah but i think for for a few of our colleagues who voted against the budget Mm -hmm. last night um i think that it was a statement on protesting uh this budget and that we continue every year to not be addressing these gaps um i think one of the things that came up so in 2017 the the amount of white students that met or exceeded expectations on mcas was 70 percent that same number for our african-american students was 10 percent so 10 percent of our african-american students were exceeding or meeting expectations in 2018, that number for um, for white students stayed the same, um, and for our African American students, went from 10 to 30 percent. In the budget book, they're saying the projection for next year is 25 percent. So not only are we not projecting a an increase, we're actually projecting to go from 30 percent to 25 percent. Mm-hmm. So Councillor Kelly felt like that was a huge miss, and like it's all about expectations and i think that it's it is more complicated than that if you look at yeah if you're an educator and you're looking at lots of different things um i was you know i it was a healthy conversation and i think it's a we should be having it but um school committee member Monique Monique Bowman. yeah she, <clears throat> she and usually school committee members they don't interact at budget hearings but she was allowed to, to speak at the end of public comment. At 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, right. <laughs> but, you know, what she said is very much spot on in that I think we talk a lot about, um, each of us can easily talk about the kids of color who are failing um, and not realize, like, our roles in the system and what we could be doing. And I talked a little bit about this, but you know the reasoning. You know, people are like, "Why is no change happening?" And I think there is change happening, but it is very—it's incremental. But it goes back to our the legacy that our the country's been built on. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've had a lot of systematic racism, and we are trying to—and that's within the system. And so. When we look at these numbers, um, it's not just in our educational system. It's being perpetuated here. But you look at our housing. You look at the homeownership rates in our country. You look at every single facet of American life. And there are these disparities because of the inherent um, systematic oppression that's been built in. And so we're trying to combat that and we have to have better expectations and i think is it's people just assume oh it's this opportunity gap and i don't think it's necessarily an opportunity gap there is there are easy way to just that's an easy call it a thing yeah. and yeah move on. it's more than that i think it is some there's i think there are folks that there are teachers who have um lower expectations and we heard about this last week in a in a video mm-hmm. of a of math teacher who 
who did an amazing journey and admitted she was like i just assumed i just i think i was thought i was doing a um what did she say like a good uh, i thought i was doing this child a favor by not lowering my lowering, expectations yeah, by because i thought it'd just be easier for him because you know i was worried about xyz but i realized that that's not doing him a favor mm-hmm. um so there's there's a lot of those issues and how we think of uh children of color and uh, and their needs and so and i think one of the other things she said last night was it's not always about the money you can't right, just always right. throw money at a problem you actually have to do the work right and the work is dismantling those systemic yeah that's the work and it starts with an individual too right. an individual level um, and it's it kind of goes back to our conversation around teachers of color and yeah. making sure that they're represented and ta- like doing that work and calling stuff out. Um, so, yeah, I, I respect the decisions to vote no yeah. on those um, on those grounds, on those grounds. Uh, I think there are changes happening. It, it doesn't feel like it's fast. It's never going to be. It's not fast enough. Well, because it's, yeah. it's about the kids that are in the school right now. Right. And I like I feel that sense of urgency. Um, you know, I have an eighth grader. I feel that sense of urgency about his classmates. I also feel a sense of urgency uh, systemically, right? Right. So it's it's possible to feel urgency in two different ways. Um, but I I did appreciate her getting up and um, uh, Monika getting up and really standing in her truth and and naming some of this stuff. I, I think it's really easy to kind of toss around stuff and ideas and this is the way I feel and she brought it all she brought it all back yeah and yeah so it it was it was a good conversation and the budget passed we did pass it yeah it was five yeses two no's one present Present. one absent it was close it was close you could see the the looks on folks people on like the admins uh on that side and you know this budget there is 201 million dollars yeah I was just going to say that. Oh, sorry. Did I steal your thunder? It's all good. <laughs> 200 million. 200 million. And one of the things that I got kind of heated about last night, and I wasn't expecting to get heated, um, was around our yeah. technical arts high school and how it's really, for our $201 million budget, we spent not even $4 million um, on an entire technical arts program um, that is serving almost half of our CRLS students whether it's one class or they are going through a strand. And I think that is something that over the next year, I would really like the school committee and the mayor and the school administration to look at and figure out how are we providing pathways for our kids that aren't traditional? And how are we supporting our technical arts high school in order to, in order to get that? Um, so, you know, they don't have their own school improvement funds. Every school in the district has between fifty-five and seventy-five thousand dollars that they can use to buy, you know, ha- get extra staff to buy supplies. However, they want to use their school improvement funds, they have to present it to the school administration. Um, but it allows them to be flexible and nimble and actually, you know, take charge of their own needs. Um, the, the high school itself gets four hundred thousand dollars of school improvement funds. Presumably, um, Rista gets part of that, but I don't know why they don't have their own line item allocation. Yeah, and they didn't have a great answer at all. No, I mean, I think afterwards somebody said, well, they're like a program like OLA is a program. 
But Ola doesn't have its, it's own principle. It's totally different. It doesn't have its own principle. It doesn't have its own administration. It's not a program. It is a school and it should be treated like a school. Mm-hmm. And it should be elevated because there are a lot of our kids. I'm getting hated again. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you look, I, I've spent a lot of time at Rista. It's a lot of low-income kids. It's a lot of kids of color. It's a lot of kids on IEPs. And if we're really, really working on equity, we really have to look at that program and that school and say, how can we better support it? Um, and so I'm, I am really hoping that over the next year that I will continue having that conversation and beating that drum because it's important. Yeah, I think there's a lot of conversations happening with respect to the trades and mm-hmm. getting um, them to the schools and we need to be doing a better job, 100%. Pro- providing pathways. Yeah. So we have so much to talk about, but we're going to, we're, I think well, there was a, a lot of other meetings last week, but I did chair an economic development um, hearing on vacant storefronts. Was that just last week? Yeah. No. Uh-huh. It was on <laughs> Wednesday. It was on Tuesday. Okay. I think. Is it May still? Is it May? Yeah. <laughs> when did I? No. Was it the week before? It might have been. Sorry. Sidebar. Yeah. Anyway, I chaired a um, meeting on that topic. I'm writing an op-ed about vacant storefronts. Mm. And so that should be out hopefully soon. And then I can mention it on the podcast. But it, it, it was a good meeting. Um, there's there we have, we have vacancies. And the whole issue is there's a lot of different causes for these vacancies. But in the end, we have a healthy vacancy rate, which is like 2.2. But we have vacancies where businesses um, have been vacant for six plus years, seven plus years. Well, and it's not it's not consistent around the city, right? We don't right. have a two point two percent vacancy rate across the city. That's an average. Yeah, it's an average. So in Harvard Square, it's ten percent. Ooh, Harvard Square, yeah. <clears throat> and you know, I mean, part of that is like some construction that's happening, but part of it is like there have been big places that have been vacant for a long time. And it's had a huge impact on the surrounding businesses, right? Amen. And so what's our role there? Uh, so I'll, I'll write a little bit about that. But uh, everyone's like on the edge of their seat. I know, I know. So that was that. Um, what else is happening in Cambridge? Well, um, let's see. We had a Cambridge Legacy Business Lunch yesterday. Yeah, and that was really great. We honored... It's Small Business Week. Yeah, it's... Oh, yeah, Oh, happy Small small Business Week, everyone. Yeah, please go out and shop local. Uh, So we had... We honored these legacy businesses. You know, they include SNS, Fresh Brown Market. Uh, Do you remember others? Uh, John's um, Barbershop in Central Square. Keezers. Keezers. uh, Kendall Flower Shop. Brattle Square Florists. So the... uh, Cambridge Savings Bank is like the oldest. In- mm-hmm. Yeah, so these these were these were legacy businesses going back to like the mid eighteen hundreds, and then I think um, the Kendall Flower Shop was like nineteen seventy two. So it was you know to really celebrate businesses that have been around for a long time, serving the Cambridge community, and that are the fabric of the community, the heart and soul of our community. Yeah, and so each of them who could be there received an award and. Uh, I'm really happy that they did something for they did this luncheon because I remember at a meeting I said we have to figure we have to do something this year and look at uh, that it happened and the luncheon happened and I think there are other unique ways San Francisco does a lot they have a obviously more legacy businesses but they have a database they 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 give out um, different types of uh, monetary awards uh, I did hear year. that next year it might be crowdsourced. 
I know. Which is yeah. exciting. So yeah, our, our economic development division does a lot. They um, do. With not a lot of people. So yeah. So shout out to them. So some of the events that are coming up for Small Business Week this week, um, on Friday, there's a small business open house uh, at uh, Observatory Hill in the Huron Village from 9 to 10.30 a.m. So that's going to be at Sarah's Market. Uh, and there'll be staff from CDD there uh, to talk about the programs that we offer and so forth. On Saturday, uh, there are community walks. So you can register for two walks. One is a co- Cambridge Common to Porter Square, and you'll be meeting at the corner of Mass Ave and Cameron Ave. And then walk two is Trolley Square to Porter Square, and you'll be meeting at the corner of Mass Ave and Waterhouse what Street. What happens on these walks? They just talk about different history. And who's, um, who's leading them? CDD. Oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, I think. Uh, so those are at 1030 to 12 p.m. Uh, and they're, you know, they're all about the Mass Ave business history. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm going to try to go on one of them. I am on drive my daughter to all of her various activities duty on Saturday. But I will be, think- be thinking about you. Um, actually, tonight, it's Thursday. Um, Inman Square is doing a fourth Thursdays where there's like fun stuff happening in Inman Square to support the small businesses there during the Inman Square redesign. So that's tonight starting at 6 o'clock. Head over to Inman Square and support those businesses over there. Um, and then... Very exciting news. There are mm. some committee openings. Yeah. All right, everybody, get your pencils because members are sought for the Cambridge Bicycle, Pedestrian, and Transit Advisory Committees. Application deadline is uh, May 17th. So the City of Cambridge is also seeking volunteers to serve on the participatory budgeting outreach team. Everybody loves this. Um, it's the upcoming 2019 PB cycle. So volunteers will help ensure that the next participatory budgeting process, which will run from June to December 2019, engages as many community members as possible. This year, $1 million is going to be setting aside um, to fund those winning projects. So if you want to be part of that team, if it's something that um, jazzes you, definitely, definitely get involved. It's it's a really fun thing. I know a lot of people who've been volunteers and they've had a great time. They, yeah. And you meet so many people. That's the other thing. If you like are just moved here to Cambridge or you feel like you don't know that many people, it's a really, the the people that volunteer are fun. Yeah. It's really not fun. like not fun people. And then the party at the end is pretty yeah, fun. That's it's fun. like, you know, you're it's winning the lottery. Uh, so there are a few, uh, just wanted to mention an event next week uh, on May 14th, uh, housing finance, affordable housing finance 101. It's going to be at the Cambridge Senior Center at 806 Mass Ave and from six to eight. So Better Cambridge and the Cambridge Residents Alliance. Together? Together. Whoa. <laughs> I made that happen. Nice. Uh, work. Are you gonna work in like Israel, Palestine? <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> so they're they're co-hosting a presentation by Peter Roth. He's a lecturer at MIT Center for Real Estate in the School of Architecture and Planning. Uh, and he'll be talking about the basics of affordable housing finance, the obstacles to creating affordable housing, and the tools we need to consider to create new affordable housing. And there'll be a presentation followed by a Q&A. And so that's, that's, that's part great. of um, Affordable Housing Action Week. And so I'm if you can, please come by if you're wondering. Is it going to uh, be televised? Yeah, we're getting cable TV. And where is it going to be? At the Senior Center. 
Oh, you saw that already. Yeah. Okay. So I know you said yes on Facebook. I did say yes on Facebook. I have another event that night. Oh, but um, what is it? I can't remember. Now. Okay. My we son. always are double booked. <laughs> always, always. But this, I, I think I can come after because it's six to eight. Yeah. I think my other thing is five to seven. Oh, great. So I'll just come. Yeah. Right. And I'll be televised. But so. it's, and I'll be able to watch it after. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then this Sunday is Mother's Day. Oh, I know. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Are you, is Jasper doing anything for you? Are you doing anything for your mom? Um, We are all going to brunch. We're going to go to Viale. Oh, nice. For brunch. I know. I love their brunch. is so good. I've never, okay. I've never been. Oh, it's really nice. You know what? It's like so sunny in there. Because it has that like atrium thing. It's like a great place to go. They have delicious food, but it's also it's like, Italian. Eh, it's eh. like American-ish. No, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. My mom loves, um, <laughs> she loves Border Cafe. She does. My she, kids too. <laughs> Maybe she could take them. No. Because <laughs> mom likes, and I are always like, Ugh. I know. I'm like, mom, it's not really authentic, but she loves. No, it. I, I, mean, I love it Chips are too. so hot. And they're salty. I know. So salty. And so then salty. The, they, she, they have these um, veggie empanadas and she loves them. So I'm going to take her after work. I'm going to pick her up from oh, work. Oh, today? Oh, no, no. Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Okay. Pick her up well, from work and um, take her there. I'm excited. I was going to, she also loves deep dish pizza, which I love too. Me too. Oh my God. Where I'm can obsessed. you get deep dish pizza? Uno's. But there's no Uno's here. I obviously. was like, uh, you, you used to. <laughs> it's been vacant, guys. <laughs> <laughs> vacant storefront alert. Uh, but you can get it. There's an Uno's at in the Burlington Mall. There is? Yeah. I love deep dish pizza so much. So and my much. My whole family hates it. It is so good. Why do people we, hate it? Oh my God. I We're don't going know. to Burlington. <laughs> we should. That's what we should do. Yeah. Because then we can like just go and talk. Oh my God. We, we right. need to. Totally. No one un- will, no one will listen know. to us. <laughs> but yeah, that is, um, you know, having spent three years in Chicago, like I tried all the different deep dish. And yeah. Uno's is like the original, original. It's so good. Oh, I love it. It's so... Th- it's I was a- so mad when this one closed. In our I was square. so upset. Like, I love the brownie we're the things. Yeah. <laughs> we're such fat kids. <laughs> so, you know, the... Oh, yes. my God. The skillet cookie. We're, yes. And the brownie. Oh, we are God. so... We are going to Burlington. Yeah. This is what we're doing tonight. Like, but yeah, you have a... Uh, oh, I have an arts task yeah, force meeting tonight. Yep. And then I... We have an ordinance committee The cannabis. Well. Yep. Um, so that's going to be five hours of my life. <laughs> yeah. You may still, after, you may, there's still maybe a meeting after your arts task meeting happening. I think they're probably with, I, but the problem is when you come in two and a half hours late, yeah. is that like all the things have been said or like you can't catch up. Yeah. So I'm submitting a, a memo of like my thoughts of good how I think we should proceed. Um, but, uh, I don't know how we should proceed, but <laughs> we'll see tonight. Okay, well, we hope you have a great week. And happy Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Happy Mother's Day if you can celebrate. Um, and we'll see you next week, hopefully. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.